Woolworths Big Night In is back. You could win a family winter getaway simply by any three participating products to enter. There's a new winner every day. T's and C's apply. New South Wales LTPS 1823233. ACT TP 1800053. South Australia T18478. I'm Anna Horford, and you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast. Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. It's March, which means everything is descending into madness, from college ball to the Boston Celtics roster health. We've got a lot to cover, so let's dive right in. I'm Justin Quinn, here with Mark Allison. How are you doing, Mark? Good, man. What's going on? Well, here it's a little snowy in your neighborhood. Yeah, when I say good, I, it, it sucks. So, right, <laughs> I got a... I got about 18 inches of snow. I just shoveled out, so I'm uh, I've, I feel defeated right now. But glad to be glad to be on here doing this now instead of being outside because it's it's pretty bad out there. And here in Mexico City, it's about 70 degrees and sunny, so um, I won't say anything else about it so you don't choke me. <laughs> so it being March, the NBA kind of. You know, it's not. Well, I won't say it's boring, but it's definitely one of the least interesting months in terms of the regular season. You know, you kind of know exactly what the playoff picture looks like by then, and a lot of teams really just start mailing it in. Other teams rest players when they can, and it's kind of what we're looking at now. You know, the Celtics are resting a bunch of people involuntarily, which we can talk about in a little bit, but the the kind of lull in the season is almost perfectly timed so that we can keep our eye on the next most interesting thing about basketball. And one of the most interesting things about basketball overall, March Madness, NCAA. Now this season, it's been, let's just say not the best season to be an NCAA board member. They've got an FBI investigation going on, which we can talk about in a little bit. There's, you know, a real sea change. People are starting to look at the, the, the organization in a new a new light with, with these revelations coming out. I mean, from everything from the evil emperor, uh, Patino, getting bagged for cause because of yeah, hiring some sex workers to help with recruiting that he supposedly knew nothing about, <laughs> you know, whatever. To UConn firing oh, Kevin Ollie for, you know, just cause instead of cause ha 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 anyway sorry i won't make any more puns um there's there's a lot of turnover in some very high level organizations um at the college level that in turn are getting the nba a little nervous about where the recruits are going to come from in terms of it being a stable environment what i mean by that is the ncaa has been the de facto farm league for the nba for a really long time now and Little by little, people are getting kind of fed up with the amateur model all the way back from Shabazz Napier, you know, using the podium to talk about how he goes hungry at night sometimes, all the way up to guys going overseas with increasing frequency to leagues like the National Basketball League of Australia now trying to use the $750,000 that teams are allowed to buy teams out of contracts with to subsidize the development of players who are almost certainly going back to the NBA. Now, to get ahead of that, I feel like the the NBA is making some moves, or at least considering making some moves, that will kind of transform 
the dynamics of how how players enter the league in a bunch of different ways. But before I jump into all of that, some general thoughts from you, Mark, on on this whole NCAA kerfuffle. So, so obviously, this this whole thing is a, t- a total mess, and uh, I mean, right? This is all just coming like up. Obviously, with the pending investigation and whatnot, is all came to the forefront. But this is something that, I and mean, we've kind of been talking about for a long while, a long time. You and I, anyways, and and the rest of our Celtics life cronies. But the it, it, there's got to be something done. There there has to be some kind of action. I mean, this isn't even something that's been recent. You know, th- this has been a problem for a long time. And and I think the NBA not allowing guys to come out of high school back when they did that um, was kind of like th- their way of trying to help the college game and whatnot. But but maybe that that was like a total wrong move, right? I, I don't know. Very much the wrong move, in my opinion. They're basically, in that situation, they're basically complicit in the, you know, the narrative of corruption. They're kind of an enabler. Yeah, they they completely are an enabler because they were getting a free farm farm league without, I mean, and, you know, there's there's plenty of things to criticize in terms of the fact that they don't run NBA systems, they don't use NBA rules, they don't use NBA courts. There's there's so many reasons why it is not an optimal system, but it was a free system. So mm-hmm. I, I see the logic behind that, but really with all the money that is going into the league and so many other areas to improve performance, this is a real no-brainer of a situation, particularly – now that Adam Silver is looking at a situation where they're going to basically be subsidizing an entirely different, unconnected league with, again, FIBA rules, I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure Australia uses FIBA rules. But anyway, different rules than the mm-hmm. NBA. And that's that's just stupid because then they could just take that same, you know, for those of the people who are listening who aren't aware of exactly what the dynamics of this are, the Australian league, NBL, is planning to offer the top players coming out of high schools in the United States and probably around the world uh, up to seven, I think it's 75,000 per season or some, somewhere, somewhere it's, it's between that amount and 100,000 uh, per season to play for them, which they are very useful to that league because even though they are not a very, you know, they're not one of the better leagues in the world outside of the NBA, but they are, you know, it's grown men playing with high school kids. And these high school kids are going to be making as much or more than some of their regular players while producing considerably less than many of them. It's probably roughly equivalent to the G League, maybe a little bit lower in terms of competition. So it's, in my mind, a no-brainer just to take that money and direct it into the G League or at least into developing other means mm-hmm. for 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 teams to be able to work players into the G League eventually more more quickly. And you were talking about the the 19 and up rule. Mm -hmm. That is one particularly easy thing that can be done that will help them very far from solve that situation because – it allows the best players to jump right right to the pros. There's probably right? five to ten players every year, exactly, who can contribute on an mm-hmm. NBA team enough where it will be sensible for them to come straight to the NBA and not even go to the G League. Well, and I think, too, with, with – and I think the NBA was getting ahead of this last year with these two-way contracts or, or at least taking a step in the right direction. Anyways. Absolutely. Um, and, and I'm sure that they're going to expand on that. I, I think it's been successful so far. 
Um, you look at a, a, a roster that's decimated, like like the Celtics roster is right now, and they, they they you know they've got a couple more bodies that they can bring up, you know, without expending the people that are on the team. Yeah, and it also gives people a chance to work out in the system. So when they do come up from the G League, they have a basic idea because as we have our own NBA affiliated team with the main Red Claws what the system is going to be mm-hmm. like. Whereas if you take a guy who's just on one of the, one of the shared teams, there's still a couple of them out there. I think uh, those guys, they don't know anything about the system and they're like Greg Monroe, but with way less talent, mm-hmm. you know, they don't know anything about the right. system and they're not that great. So it's almost mm-hmm. not that useful to even do that. So the, the whole, the whole two way thing, you know, there's some teams that are abusing it already, like the Clippers, you know, that's kind of what happens when you let Doc run the entire show, but that's a whole another, another topic of conversation. The other thing that they could do, you know, all teams don't necessarily have a one-to-one relationship. And instead of having one of these, you know, like hybrid situations where teams from any um, organization can call up a player from, from one of these unaffiliated teams or unaffiliated players that aren't like a two-way player, what they could do is, because uh, again, a lot of these guys who would be coming from college are not going to be the higher level players. They'll be guys who are, you know, second right. round, right? Not yeah. that exactly, or, or late first round guys that just maybe they're on a contending team and they don't have a role off yep. the rip, you know, or, or something like that. Whereas it's not going to be like the Jason Tatum's and the, the Markel Fultz, you know whatever those type of players. what they could do with those guys is organize a new G league team or two that are primarily comprised of those kinds of players. So the guys mm-hmm. who are 26, 27, 28, 29, who are trying to fight their way back into the league or guys. And this is another thing they're trying to do with the G league is use it as a rehabilitation league for, for players who right. are trying to work their way back into game shape instead of having them do it on the NBA floor where they could, mm-hmm. you know, much more easily injure themselves trying to keep pace with people who are much more athletic and much better conditioned than they are at that moment. So by, by mm-hmm. putting them all on one team, the idea in that situation would be kind of a more even playing field and a more even uh, intention for those players because they're not on the same kind of like learning and, you know, conditioning curve as some of these other players, and it might be more beneficial. That's just an idea I've heard floated around that I think would be interesting. Um, yeah, and, and getting these guys and getting these names, like you said, uh, maybe a guy who hurt himself is trying to rehabilitate his game. Let's we, we were to me, you and I were talking about Andrew yeah. Bynum earlier today, unrelated. Yeah. But, uh, but imagine had he wanted to come back and you know worked worked. He's a name. It, it, and while the money is not going to be obviously ridiculous for these G League teams, um, I, it's still a benefit to have those kind of names. Even the, the guys coming out of college that, right, maybe not the top guys, but the late first round guys, the second round guys that people can get some people can get excited about. It, it, you're still helping these arenas sell tickets. And uh, I mean, it's uh, it's a no brainer. I would recommend me. John Calipari to be one of the coaches. Wait, here he is. He can attract Indeed. some young talent. But I mean, that's that's a really good point. There's ways that they can use this to, to you know, to to really aggressively push players uh, who are already in the league to go back down for injury assignments, just to to help stir up interest along with these these uh, I won't say marquee players, but known players, players that will at least see their names in mock drafts, for example. 
Right, right. Yeah, and I and I think you want you, the NBA in an ideal situation for them. They want their G League to be like the premier league under the NBA. So we talk about the other leagues overseas, the the Euro League. They, they want that to be the next stepping stone. Not so much. I mean, right now, I would say it's probably better competition overseas. Yeah, and than the, the, the thing about the NBL too is, unlike a lot of leagues in Europe, everyone speaks English. And unlike some of the lesser mm-hmm. leagues in Europe, your paycheck is going to be ready when it's supposed to be. And you don't need to learn a new language or hire someone to translate everything for you. You know, so that right. that is something that really... Yeah. This is one of the things that the NBA has to plan for that a lot of people don't give thought to because they want to grow the sport, but they also don't want to grow mm-hmm. it for other people. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, even talking about the G League game, while it might not be on the level of some of the leagues overseas, it, the guys are playing in a, a systems, you know, much more NBA type systems, right? The guys, the coaches, you know, they, I'm sure the main red claws are in constant contact with the Boston Celtics, you're, you're, you want certain guys to play. Um, you want them to play specific roles. And I, I would think that the line of communication there would be. In you know, the case of the right class, absolutely. We definitely do coordinate a lot of schema with them just so that way there is continuity, even though uh, a lot of the, the players who end up playing for them are not affiliated directly with the Celtics and can therefore be called by other teams. But there are still a lot right. of teams that haven't quite, made the one-to-one relationship. There's also things that NCAA could do that wouldn't necessarily be at odds with what the NBA is trying to do. And they might actually, you know, it's going to take down the amount of money if they do this, that the NCAA makes. They just made over a billion dollars, even considering expenses for the first time last year. Amateur my ass. Mm-hmm. But what they could do, really simply, let students earn money from their likenesses, the only thing that's going to happen, that, that will happen from that is players who are likely to do better in the NBA and are doing better now will make more money, which is great because if they're making more money off their likeness mm-hmm. while they're in college, they know that there's a good chance they're going to be drafted or at least have a professional career available. While there's a lot of students who think that just because they made a college team that they're going to have a successful career when the reality is – a lot of them are going to end up hangers-on or living off of their teammates' largesse or, mm-hmm. if they're really lucky, finding a job as an assistant coach somewhere for a college team or maybe if they're really, really lucky, a pro team, maybe watching video for a team. Just like lower-level jobs like that are, are mm-hmm. much more likely for those kinds of players. And the current system really kind of it's, – it's, it almost induces them to believe in themselves more than they probably should. And the only harm is that, that's going to happen to them is money that's getting to these students anyway will be getting to them legally. And, well, what's different? Not much, you know, other than we don't have the FBI involved in that situation. Yeah, and, and <laughs> right. And, and it's not giving teams that have such a financial boon over some of the smaller schools um, the ability to just pay guys. And, like, you know, if they, if they open it up where the, where the NCAA could pay the players – I think that you're opening a can of worms in the fact that, you know, a, a UNC can obviously pay over a St. John's. You, they already get the best players, but when, when you take money into account, I think it would be even worse. Yeah, and I think that, that is an excellent point, though there is a way that they could structure uh, not just tuition, but full cost of attendance, like 
you know, my own, I'm a graduate student myself. I'm working on my doctorate and I provide value to the university by teaching for my university. And they give me full cost of tuition in terms of a stipend, medical insurance, and it's good medical Mm -hmm. insurance. And they pay me for my work, for my labor. And these guys are laboring too. And they should be making at least as much as me because they are probably bringing in more value to the university than I am. Mm -hmm. But there's also, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a pay structure that's been negotiated for employees in a graduate student union Mm -hmm. at my university. And such a model could work just fine for them too, where everyone gets paid something for their labor, but, but they don't have, it's, it's, you know, it's, kind of like an academic salary cap in my case mm-hmm. and for that, just kind of function in the same kind of a way like a few hundred bucks a week yeah no and i and I'm, I'm totally on board with that i was only getting at the fact of you know schools being able to pay specific guys more money uh, um would would end up becoming a problem but i do think that everybody should be entitled to all that yeah so i mean those are some things that can be done along with some really basic things like letting students to transfer whatever the hell they want mm-hmm. Because they're students, right? And I'm a student. If I want to quit the university I go to now and transfer to another one, it would be a real pain in the ass at my academic stage of career. Mm-hmm. But I can still do it. I still have the right to. No one can block me. Yeah. And 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 right, making money off their likeness is a perfect example. Like if Chiron Cartwright, PC point guard, wants to make a, a local television commercial with a local car dealership or something like that, why shouldn't he be able to do that? It makes no sense whatsoever right. other than other than this sham of amateurism, which, you know, for those people who aren't aware, the, the NCAA is currently using uh, a 12th Amendment argument that it is legal to compel labor from convicts in the wake of uh, the ab- abolition of slavery to not pay NCAA players now. That is an actual argument this organization is using. Banana land. It's pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> so, in my opinion, they, they should just seriously consider letting academic organizations oversee the academic elements of a university and overseeing a tournament that they do a pretty good job at. Right. Leave it. If, they, if there's one thing, <laughs> we can get yeah. that. Another thing that we might want to talk about just briefly, it's still a little too early before March Madness has even run its course, are some players that might be available where Boston will be picking. Now, I'm not going to entertain the Lakers pick. It's still technically possible, but it's possible in the same way that Indiana overtaking us for the third seed, second seed, is very unlikely. It ain't happening. Yeah. So we're talking like a 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th pick, something in that kind of a range. Some of the guys that I came up with, I took I took a range of different um, – ESPN took over Draft Express's website. I took stuff from them, CBS, uh, NBADraft.net, and, you know, some of, the, some of the more popular stuff just to get an idea of who they think might be available and then – you know, they, they are going with best player available, which I think is a, a great idea, in the, at least in the lottery, if not the high lottery. I went with players who might be a good fit with one exception. That exception mm-hmm. is everybody's favorite cheating player. 
Oh, the worst. Grayson Allen. I, I this, this is one I don't know if I could get behind. Yeah. I don't know if there's a way to to bring me around on this guy. I'm looking at him as a Sellinger type pick. Probably <laughs> isn't going to work out, though, as with Sellinger, not exactly for the reasons we thought. You're right. But very talented, should be, you know, middle of the pack to maybe even late lottery, but reputation for, in this case, an entirely different reason made them fall considerably. It's probably, he's still probably not falling past the, the middle of the first round, but if he did, I think Grayson Allen would be a good gamble considering we might not be doing much with that pick anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very talented, he's tall, he likes to trip people. <laughs> Irritant. Irritant. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think that uh, it's a possibility that he's been chastised enough in, the, in a professional situation where he won't just get yelled at but will get fined, mm-hmm. cash money. We might have a slower oh, – excuse me, a slower – a lower chance of, of having issues with him. Right. Now, don't kill me on the next two guys I'm going to mention – they both have <laughs> names that I'm not super familiar with. Kaita Bates Diop, I'm going to guess, of Ohio State. He's a solid scoring and rebounding wing who's got a good three-point shot. Also, this guy is my, my pet project for a realistic option for Boston. Killian Tilly, I want to say. If anyone knows how to say these guys' names please feel free to jump in anywhere and let us know with a hashtag CLPod or in the comments or on Twitter or wherever. I don't want to murder those people's names on purpose. But Tilly is playing for Gonzaga. Uh, he's, he's a combo forward, can play the three or the four, and he's shooting 50% from three. His form is not quite as good as my, my favorite from last year, uh, Lowry Markinen, but he's, he's got enough. He's like a, he's like a poor man's Lowry, so... I would not be at all opposed to rolling the dice on him. Uh, we've got Shake Milton as a guy who's been projected in our range of Southern Methodist University. He's a very big combo guard. He's got kind of a – he reminds me a lot of, of Marcus Smart. He's not quite as aggressive. He's a much better shooter, but fairly similar profile in terms of how they approach the game. And if we end up losing Marcus Smart in free agency, that's somebody to keep an eye on. Chandler, Chandler Hutchinson mm-hmm. of Boise State is uh, a scoring, rebounding wing. He, he kind of like a very poor man's version of Jason Tatum. Both of those, yep. Got some so, length. So yep. those, those are some guys I think that would be realistic in terms of that. Now I know that you are a big Providence fan. Do you think there's anybody that might be draftable? off of the Providence squad there that's feeling this year, who actually just beat Xavier when they were the number one team in the country. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I'm, I've got a couple of good bigs, but, um, I mean, if anybody's going to get in, uh, maybe a Chiron Cartwright, maybe late second round, probably he's, uh, he's kind of, I would compare him to like a Kadeem Allen okay. really, you know, uh, he's, uh, he, he can score. He's a plus defender. You know, he he's uh, uh, he's he's good on the block. He he can do a lot of different things offensively. Although he's not super great at any of them, you know. So, but he's a leader. He's a, he's a you know he's a player that can do a lot of different things. And I and I think a lot of NBA teams, you know, they like to take roll the dice with guys like that because it's, they're good guys to have to fill out the bench because they can you know do a lot of different things.
Now, we won't have control over our 2018 second round pick, so it looks like we're a wash for him. That's going, I believe, to Brooklyn, if I remember correctly. As part of the, the, the big Brooklyn deal that happened when we blew up the big three. But we are down three players and maybe four, depending on how fast uh, Jalen can come back for his concussion protocol. For the foreseeable future, we have Kyrie Irving's knee giving him trouble. That might be the least serious injury besides Jalen. We have Tice out for almost certainly the rest of the season with a meniscus tear, though there is a very small chance he might be able to come back late, late, late in the playoffs if we survive that long. And finally, we have Marcus Smart, and he did his usual diving for a ball and hurting himself that usually seems to happen in December or January and March, which really sucks because he might need surgery. What's the, what's, what's the update on that, that that you've heard most recently, Mark? Uh, so I think it was Keith Smith reported a couple hours ago that uh, uh, they're listing it as a sprained thumb, uh, although he was under the impression that it actually has a slight tear in it or could have a slight tear in it. And uh, Marcus was on the record saying that, that he is willing to play through it. Um, and But the problem is if, it, if he has to have surgery, that would certainly end his season, or at least more than likely end his season. And he certainly wouldn't be playing yeah, through that. I mean, if he, if he really tears, I can't imagine it will be anything good for recovery. Yeah. It's, and with them being so hush-hush about it, it, it makes me a little nervous. And I swear, if we have already seen Marcus Smart play his last game for the Celtics, I am not going to be a happy camper. Given that it was one of his best games, one of the best games of his career, I would say. That game on um, Sunday night yeah. against the Pacers. I mean, he kind of willed them back into that game. Led the team in scoring, rebounding, um, assists. Uh, he shot well. Yep. I think he shot 6 for 11 from 3. After, after um, so, uh, I mean, one of his best. Certainly one of his best games. And when, when Kyrie was down in the second half, he was the guy that everybody leaned on. I really think that if if the tear isn't too big that he will be capable of playing through it, uh, I guess we're going to just have to trust the medical staff and the specialist to make the right call in terms of whether or not he should be resting it or not. But mm-hmm. that brings up an entirely new issue. Who is going to take up all of these minutes? What are we going to do here? Yeah, definitely uh, there's <laughs> going to be a lot of minutes to go around. And the, the problem is, too, if, if we're talking Kyrie, um, Larkin's banged up right now, right? He's on a minutes restriction. Um, so we're, we're right back in that boat, almost that same boat of having Rogier all by himself at the yeah. point. Yeah, and, then, you know, I think, like, Shemi can, can help out a little bit in terms of, you know, feeling the lower end of the wing playing as a two, but – Really, really, really thin ranks. We have, you know, the speaking of two-way players that we can call up in uh, Jabari Bird and Kadeem Allen, but I mean, we can't really expect too much out of them. I think Nader could play, you know, two, two, the three, and maybe even a little bit of the four. But we're going to have to see a lot out of Marcus Morris and Greg Monroe, I think, to help. To help kind of go a little old school, which is not going to help our defense or offense for a while, which is great. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah, right. But (laughs) the thing that is great here is our seeding situation in terms of the playoff is very, very, very solid. 
in terms of we are almost certainly getting the three seed, excuse me, the two seed, because the next closest team in the three seed now is Indiana, with them being seven games behind. Cleveland 7.5, Washington 8, and with Toronto 3.5 games ahead with, I think, what, 15 games left? Mm-hmm. It's very unlikely. Yeah, I mean, either direction is, is changing. Yeah, it's a, I mean, where we're talking about, if we, even if we finish less than 500, these teams would have to almost win the, the rest of their games. And uh, although throughout the um, um, Pacers playing pretty hot right now, um, I, I don't see the Cavs rebounding. Um, the Wizards, I don't know, kind of a weird, kind of a weird team. I don't know. What's your, uh, what's your uh, take on the Wizards? We got our tomorrow's opponent. Well, Wizards, we're playing them twice. We're playing them tomorrow, and we're playing them, uh, I think, in two weeks. One more time before the season's over anyway, which is interesting because mm-hmm. we really, you know, Indiana's not catching us, barring a disaster. And that last right. game with Washington gives us the option of resting lots of players. It looks... To, to maybe pick a uh, to to maybe move the seating exactly. the way we I mean, want. Probably, probably right. it's not going to matter that much. It's a lot less dire, in my opinion, than last year. Just because I'm, this is not going to make me super popular. But unless unless we get Gordon Hayward back and he's able to contribute double digit minutes pretty effectively, I don't think we have too much of a chance against Toronto with a team that we have. Right. There's. Just, mm-hmm. The, the point differential, that, yeah. like, you know, the narrative of that they always stink in the playoffs. The, the, the point differential is just too big. They're playing a modern game now, and, you know, the depth the depth is kind of an issue because a lot of the strength comes from the depth. And, you know, you can make an argument that when, when teams tend to tighten up the rotation, that that is something that could really – be an issue for a lot of teams, but I don't. I don't know that it's going to affect them as much. And if it is, then they can just you know roll the depth. Why do they need to tighten up their rotation if it's what's working mm-hmm. for them? You know, so combined with point right. Two. And I think any team that any team that comes out of the East and that includes the Raptors is going to get smoked by either Golden State or Houston. And I think increasingly as, as the season progresses that it's going to be Houston. I do think that, that Washington could be yeah. kind of a wild card just because if John Wall comes back and he is actually healthy, they could be a very dangerous mm-hmm. team with Sadoransky now emerging as a competent point guard option. You know, he's not great, but he is very competent for them. And if he moves right. to the second union and they just have that right. continuity of, of quality of play – Mm-hmm. Plus a healthy John Wall because you have to remember, you know, I, I think it was um, Zach Lowe who was talking about how he had the slowest um, up court time out of anyone in the league. Basically, walking, and it was hilarious. <laughs> exactly at the time, Johnny, exactly Johnny Walker. But like, I, I feel so bad <laughs> for calling him that now because like he was playing hurt and he was trying not to demolish what was left of his knee. Right. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Well, but I think I, I think there's a good reason to be skeptical there. I mean, granted, he was hurt this time, but uh, it, it's not like he's uh, earned himself too many points with his uh, hustle over the years either. Well, he, so he, I don't he's think going. He's one of the fastest point guards in the league. The question is, like, oh yeah, certainly fastest. But I'm talking about his yeah. commitment up and down the floor at, at times. But um, 
yeah, and and with having um, another ball handler that's competent and able to play on the field, it allows John to play off the ball a little bit, lets them do some different things. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, definitely a big help. They could be a big surprise. I wouldn't count on it, but it wouldn't it wouldn't knock my socks off either. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say about uh, the seeding slash playoff race in, in light of all these injuries? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm just excited to see how the bottom half shakes out. And if Cleveland is in the bottom half, like I think that's <laughs> wild. Four and six in their last ten. Um, the Pacers overtook them the other day after we lost to the Pacers and our, our boy IT dropped some bombs on, uh, on the Cavs on Sunday night. That was great. Uh, that was awesome. And I, I got to watch that game after our game, or at least the conclusion of it. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like, like you so right now they're uh, half a game ahead of the Wizards. Um, and then the other teams that are behind them, all the way down to mm, the Heat in eighth, are only four games back in the loss column. Um, so th- three games overall. I, I, it's it'll be, it's going to be interesting to see how far this like Cleveland skid goes. I, I know they can normally turn it on, but it doesn't look like they're going to be turning anything on this year. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I, I might be in my words for yet another year, but I mean, I just don't think this is easily the lousiest team that LeBron has been on since he mm-hmm. left Cleveland the first time. Yeah. I feel like I hear this on every podcast, but it's true. And I just don't see how they're going to get past you know, the teams that are right in, in the scrum with them, particularly teams like, like Washington, is like breathing down their neck. I, I really think that Washington may end up overtaking them by the end of the, yep. by the end of the season. The Sixers are an interesting matchup for them. Um, the Raptors playing the way they're playing, too. I, I just – I don't know how they can get through three of these teams. And granted, whether we're healthy or not depends a lot on, you know, whether we're, uh, uh, you know, going to be able to beat them. So I, I wouldn't go as far to say that right now, but – if we were at full strength, minus Hayward, you know, with the guys that we have that have been playing, um, I, I mean, I, I, I think we could take care of them, especially with home court. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> Speaking of the Wizards, we have been running with a new segment, keeping tabs on Boston players in new locations. And we decided to do something a little bit different with it this week just because we have – a pair of players who are technically genetically identical, if not separate people. So in a lot of ways, their careers have been parallel. And from what I hear, sharing the same bank account, which is kind of weird, but hey, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That is their business. I'm speaking in case you haven't figured it out about Marcus and Markeith Morris. So normally what we do is look at which team a player is playing better for after leaving or joining the Boston Celtics. What we're looking at now is which twin is doing better in their role from this year to next. So we're kind of taking stock of how Marcus did with Detroit compared to Boston and how Markeith was doing last year and this year on Washington. One of the things that stood out, and you pointed this out, was just how close some of their minute distributions and shooting um, shooting averages are, which they're really weird. For example, 
They are both playing almost identical minutes per game on entirely different teams, three different teams too. Last season, Marcus went from 32.5 minutes per game to 25.5 minutes per game on Boston this year. While Marquise went from 31.2 minutes per game with Washington last year to 26.7 minutes per game this year. And they're both shooting precisely 0.374 from three-point. From That is yep. freaky. Yeah, that is wild. And uh, it looks like – well, I and you know what, too, though? I, I was saying – well, I guess the, the, the factor here is, too, right? They're, they're, um, their regular field goal percentage is – well, Markeith is uh, 48 – Almost forty eight and a half percent, and Marcus is forty two point two, and and then we kind of deduced we we looked at the three point shooting. Marcus takes almost almost two more threes a game, or one and a half, anyways, um, a little over one and a half more than his brother does. So I, I think that's kind of a big factor. Marquise kind of bangs around inside a little bit more than his yeah, brother. Marcus does. seems to be more. Of, uh... <clears throat> but other than that, we're looking at we're looking at Marcus averages twelve point four points, five point five rebounds, and Marquise eleven point one points. 5.8 rebounds. Uh, that's, I mean, that's crazy. I, and uh, the minute deduction is the thing that gets me too. They both played about almost 32 minutes last year and they both play about 25, 26 minutes this year. Like uh, it's, it's almost like they've, I, I don't know. It's just kind of, kind of wild. They both settled into <coughs> the same roles. With it's really teams. weird. I do think that in this particular case, Keith <coughs> is clearly a more important part of, of Washington overall, but with the injuries that we've been harping on all episode, I think that Marcus is going to move up in terms of both minutes per game and production. So this may not look quite the same in, by, the, by the end of the season. I, I do expect him to lean a lot more heavily on it, but at least for now, it looks like the grass is greener for the Morris twins in Washington, at least in terms of counting stats. Would you say that's fair? I, I would agree, 100%. Well, it was a mostly successful week. You know, we beat Chicago, we beat Minnesota, and obviously lost a really tight, almost almost took it out, almost got back into it, mostly, as you noted, under the effort of Marcus Smart to Indiana. Now, tomorrow, as of when we're recording this, uh, by the time you hear this, probably today, We'll be playing Washington uh, while still going to be out, almost certainly. Uh, also, will be Otto Porter, who's been dealing with some hip issues. Still a pretty good chance that we end up dropping that one with all the injuries that we've got going on. Kyrie's going to be out. Jalen Brown is going to be out. Like you said, uh, Shane is on a minutes restriction, and Tice, obviously, is out. So they're really going to have numbers on us. Uh, I know we're calling up Yabu and we've called up the two way players, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not going to make the difference. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then we have two more. We see a lot of Terry oh, Rogier yeah. tomorrow. I'm pretty excited for it too. I think that's a really good, which is never a bad thing, right? And we get the Morris twins matchup and Terry Rogier, a heavy dose. Yeah. It would be, it would be cool if the player that he had his beef with in the playoffs was still there. You know, Kelly Oubre had some beef with a Linux, mm. which, you know, Kelly O versus Kelly O is a pretty neat wrinkle. When we were playing them. That's going to be missing. I don't, I don't know the, the, the intensity of last season's, Maybe we'll see how much of that fires over, right? Crowder's gone. We had the Crowder wall dust up last year. 
So how much of the, uh, you know, plus there's some brotherly love on both sides now. So maybe, maybe, maybe it won't be quite the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, gauntlet match that we've had last couple matchups in that whole playoff series. It's a very, very transformed dynamic to say the least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Orlando is almost certainly win, in my opinion, uh, Gordon Fournier and Terrence Ross are all likely quote, uh, scare quotes here out. They they do have actual injury concerns, but I think they're being exceedingly careful. Is the way of saying right. That. And rightfully. Yeah. Saying, I suppose. And finally, we've got the new Orleans Pelicans close out the week. Um, Anthony Davis did turn his ankle earlier last week, but he's basically fine. He's played since then. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins obviously out as I think Solomon Hill is still out in Ahinka Ahinka Ahincha I can't ever say his name. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it either. So I'm going to go on record and say we have two wins, one loss. It's either going to be Washington or New Orleans. I think more likely Washington. What do you think? Yeah, see, I, I think there's a good chance we lose both of those games, and uh, unless AD doesn't play, then obviously New Orleans. Becomes a different uh, animal, but uh, obviously, I think we can beat Orlando. And uh, but I, I'm not looking good with these injuries for the other two. Agreed. Well, you guys know what comes here. This is the part where I ask you to check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. As you know, or if you don't, we have a huge variety of shirts. You can't get them anywhere else. Also, hoodies, though they warm, need those less. But you should still get them because you can't get them anywhere else. You can get tickets to the remaining games on the schedule. You really need to hurry up and get them because they are going to be over soon. You've got less than a month left in the regular season. You can find the pod on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. If you like what you hear, please help us reach other people by ranking us five stars. If you don't like something or you just want to you know, suggest something, a segment, uh, just a different way of doing things, let us know in any comment section on any Celtics Life article on Twitter with a hashtag CLPOD, that's CLPOD. We're always trying to give you Celtics coverage the way that you want it, the way that you like it. So help us do that. Anything you want to say before we get out of here, Mark? Hey, I'm good. Everybody, have a good week. To those of you in Boston... I really hope you get less snow. It's getting kind of late in the year for that crap. Take care, y'all.